children's food and throw it to the dogs? She said, yes, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. So I hate it when my convictions kind of get thrown up in my face. Has this ever happened to you? And you've been going around talking big and saying a lot of things, and then all of a sudden you're confronted with those, you know, convictions that you've been putting out there and you have to live in them. I get the feeling Jesus was kind of confronted in the same way in this story we heard today. It is a, this is one of those weird texts. Jesus is walking along and they decide to go over into Gentile territory. They're in Canaanite territory. Sidon and, and uh, the other place I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> they get over there. So they're in Gentile territory. They're, they really don't belong there in the first place. And they're enjoying a meal. And uh, some woman is shouting, Jesus, have mercy on me. Come and heal my child. Her daughter is uh, possessed with a demon. Come and cast this demon out. Jesus, this Canaanite woman just keeps shouting, Jesus, listen to me. Help me. Please. And you know what Jesus does? Ignores her. The text says Jesus didn't say a thing to her at all. And then the disciples said, send her away. She's making a lot of racket. We're trying to enjoy a meal here. But she continues, help me. Help me. My daughter is sick. Help me. Jesus says, well, you know what? It wouldn't be right for me to help you. I've been sent to God's chosen people. It wouldn't be right for me to help out a foreigner. Not, you know, an other. It wouldn't be right for me to give God's blessing to the other. That blessing is reserved for God's people. The woman says, and, and then Jesus does this, this terrible thing. He says, it wouldn't be right. He, he, he puts this into these words. wouldn't be right for me to feed from the table to, to throw the food to dogs. Calls her a dog. Our Jesus called this woman a dog. Which actually was a common term for Gentiles. It was, it was a derogatory term. All those dogs over there in Canaanite territory, out over there in Sidon, and Tyre, that was the other word. <laughs> out over there, those dogs over there. An awful waiter, it was a, an epitaph. The woman says, look, even dogs get scraps from the table. And Jesus, Jesus is taken back by that. All of a sudden, and Jesus changes his tone. Wow! You are a woman of great faith. What an incredible thing. And he grants her wish to it. In fact, if it's in the Greek, it's almost like Jesus is, there's a lot of exclamation points. Jesus is kind of shouting that out. Wow! 
That is some impressive faith you got there, woman. And grants her what she desires. The child is healed. Jesus doesn't even go to her house. He just speaks it and it's done. This is a difficult text to preach on. Here we have our love, our beloved Jesus who's talking in derogatory terms and being quite mean-spirited. Almost bigoted, I dare say. Almost racist toward this woman. What's going on here? Did our Jesus just have a bad day? Is, uh, is his own upbringing, his own prejudice that maybe was culturally grounded coming out in him or... He's just tired of people asking him for things. He just wants a break. That's why he came over here to get a little vacation. <laughs> Only to be met with more people needing stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can sympathize with that. There have been times I've been kind of frustrated with the disruptions and the interruptions and things like that. But this is very out of character for Jesus. But I want to say that from a rhetorical perspective, what Matthew is doing here with Jesus is quite brilliant. See, part of the way we understand this text is to see it in the context of Matthew's community. And to understand that the, the early church was just, was just starting, when Matthew writes his text, is just starting to integrate Gentiles into the Christian community, into uh, the, the, the communities that have been built up almost entirely out of the Jewish faith. The early Christianity was a Jewish sect. Uh, they would go to synagogue on Saturday and then go to the love feasts on Sunday and celebrate uh, communion together. And it was, and when, you know, when they were reaching out to lepers and the poor and prostitutes and tax collectors, it wasn't so great a leap for the early church to say, hey, what about Gentiles? Why not Gentiles? <laughs> and what they saw in Christ was the fulfillment of all the expectations around a Jewish Messiah, and yet a more expansive, universal salvation, a more expansive, universal reach of God's love out into the world that transcended their cultural heritage and their religious heritage. And in other words, this Jesus was too big for one religion to contain and started reaching out into the Gentile territories and started in welcoming those in. And what Matthew does here is brilliant, is by putting on the, the mouth of Jesus, putting in the mouth of Jesus these words of, uh, of naming the prejudice and saying, here is, here is the reality. We, we had this understanding of the way things were. Jewish people were God's chosen people. Gentiles were dogs. But Jesus is confronted with the conviction that God's love is far more expansive than, than that and persuaded. I, that's what a, I love this text because in this text, Jesus is persuaded by the argument of this passionate woman who's trying to save her child, persuaded by her conviction and her logic. And Jesus in this story turns a completely different direction and takes the ministry in a whole other place. 
And for Matthew's community to hear that, it means for them, Gentiles are welcome. And we must get past all of our old prejudices. And even though we're predominantly Jewish, we need to make room for our Gentile brothers and sisters in this community so that we can be all that God has called us to be. So that our community is a reflection of the kingdom of God. So our community is a little taste of heaven here on earth. Well, now, I don't know about you, but I cannot help but see the obvious. And I got to tell you, this text is the normal text in the line of the lectionary. It was handed to me last week. This is the text for this week. But I cannot help but see how this text speaks into our world and our country and our situation today. I can't help but see it. That we live in a world where there is great prejudice and divide and things are tearing us apart and there is so many others out there. And one other is pointing to the other other and we're all struggling. And yet Jesus calls on us. And by us, I want to say this. Jesus calls on us who are the dominant culture. And I say that standing here as a white male Christian in the United States as the one whose culture dominates our country. And Jesus in this text, I can't help but hear, calls on us to listen. To listen to the others. To listen to what's being said. You know, it, my friend Eric Law, who's, who's a great author and one of my, who trained me in a lot of cultural competency things, has, describes this thing called the gospel cycle. Within the gospel story, Jesus is always doing, one, doing two things. He is always lifting up the oppressed and always bringing down the powerful and doing both of those things. And so the, as Jesus lifts up the oppressed, they are given voice, they are given status, they are affirmed in who they are. And in order for that to really be accomplished, the powerful must also find themselves giving up power. They are, so you have blessed are they and woe to you. <laughs> woe to you who are in power. Woe, woe to you Pharisees who are whitewashed tombs. Woe to you who steal lands from widows. Woe to you who wield the power because you do it at the expense of the poor, the outcasts, the marginalized, the oppressed. And that what was true then is so true now. Jesus lifts up those who are oppressed, who are marginalized, who are left out, and gives them voice, and in order for, for that to be effective, those of us in power must listen and yield. And I know that there's a lot of noise out there, but, you know, organization, I, and let me just say this, I abhor violence, I disavow any kind of violent overthrow or revolution that is violent in the same way Jesus mounted up a revolution but didn't do it violently. He was a victim of violence. He wasn't a perpetrator of violence. But when Black Lives Matter starts talking 
We really need to listen. We in power must try and hear over the din of the fear and the, the hate and the shouting that goes on. We must hear what is being said because Jesus is lifting up those whose voices have been pushed down. I'm talking, you know, whether it's black people, whether it's women, whether it's any of those folks, those of us in dominant culture must open our ears and hear and be persuaded that God's love is far more expansive than we can imagine. But in order for us to actually experience that taste of heaven here on earth, we must be willing to give up something to make room at the table for everyone. Amen? And that's not easy. The reason Herod sent soldiers to kill babies in the birth narrative was because he feared that the coming Messiah would take away his power. We cannot fall into that trap. We as a people, we as a country, we as Christians cannot fall into the trap of not being willing to yield so that others might join us must be willing to be shaped by the word of God and changed and transformed by the power of God's expansive universal love. Amen? And we must model that for this stubborn, fearful, ridiculous world we live in. We must model that because Otherwise, they won't know what it looks like. It's up to us. If not the Christian community, if we as followers of Christ cannot allow our differences to be transcended by God's love, who else is going to do it? Who else? This is what Jesus lived for and died for and rose again to keep in our hearts that we are more, we are, we belong together. And that means that the powerless must be lifted up and the powerful must yield some power. Because there's only so much to go around. And it goes in a, in a cycle. That is to say that we don't, you know, we take turns hearing one another. We take turns listening and sharing until we, we recognize is a commonwealth of God, not a kingdom of God, but a commonwealth of God where all voices are valued and all people are loved. Great and loving God, we live in challenging times. We live in times when the frustration level and the fear and the misinformation and the misunderstandings and the hate that comes out of that fear is so loud. May God, I pray that our voices, the voices that come from you and your son and his message of love would rise above the din and the cacophony of 
angry hate to proclaim that all are welcome at the table. May we be agents of that message and that voice. We ask those things in the name of Christ.